0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Wolf Den. We've got Lauren.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: And we've got Kate. Bow, 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 bow. <laughs> and we got your boy with the intros, Matt. All right. So I'm going to kick us off with what I am bringing to the table. Spanx. This is coming from me, not either of my sisters, and Spanx, is to me one of the most impressive business stories of the last 2 decades.
1: And
2: this is how you know we trained him well.
1: I was going to say
2: you are one of the most impressive business stories of the past 2 decades because
0: <laughs> No, no. <laughs> I I I'll take that. I'll take that 20 years from now. But for now, no. Uh Sarah Not Blakely. Yet. Sarah okay. Blakely, founder of Spanx, CEO, business is completely bootstrapped over the last 21 years. I think she owns literally a hundred percent of the business and she just exited to black stone for $1.2 billion with a B. Um, so that was cool. And then I follow her and her husband, Jesse, Itzler on Instagram. And I, I see a video that they both eventually end up posting and they're at this celebration, Sarah Blakely's daughter, five or six year old daughter standing next to her. And she's giving a speech to her employees and She's spinning a globe, and she says, why am I spinning a globe? Well, in order to celebrate, we want to give all of you employees, and I don't know if it's literally all, but if it is, it's 750 employees, $10,000 to go travel, and two first class seats, uh, round trip to anywhere in the world that you want to go.
2: No way. Holy crap.
0: That's a way to celebrate and make sure that your employees feel really, really celebrated because you just probably made, depending on how much of the business she sold, close to a billion dollars. So at first I was like, whoa, that's a lot of money. And it is. But when you think about how much that may cost, if you figure two round shirt flights is around $10,000, maybe a touch more. And 750 employees is about $15 million between the mm-hmm. 10,000 for the flights and 10,000 of spending money. And she is just as cool as can be. And I'd run through a brick wall for her. And I'm sure her her employees would too. And she just proved why that's important. And and that's how you exit a business for $1.2 billion. So Sarah Blakely, hats off. off. (laughs) That's super cool.
1: Wow. I'm so impressed.
0: Yeah. She's really, really freaking cool. And she seems like a really awesome mom. They have four kids under the age of like 12. Um,
1: I'm kind of speechless, to be honest. Like there, there's so many thoughts running through my head of how incredible that is from just every aspect of it. I will say one of the very best How I Built This episodes with Guy Raz, which is an NPR podcast, is the Spanx episode. So yeah. there surely has to be some type of update coming to that soon where she talks about starting the business in the very, very early days and just kind of going rogue and placing product by the front register in the department store and how she gets business. And it's spectacular. So she deserves every penny.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I was, I was planning on bringing this to the table before this, but he, Jesse Itzler just spoke, um, in a Kellogg class and I'm not in the class, but just went on zoom to listen to it. And he told a story that I think is pretty incredible. Um, I'll try to give the quickest version. They both went to American university and, and Jesse, I guess was pretty always had a crush on her. And as he said it, they were in a relationship for six months in his head. Um, <laughs> and he was even nervous to like ask her out on a date. I think maybe eventually he did, but nothing came of it. And then, you know, 15 years later, 20 years later, they're 40 something. They're now like 50, 53 or something. And so now they have 12 kids. They got married very quickly after they started dating, but he gives a call to her assistant and he's planning on running this race. I guess it's a hundred mile race. And he, he says to the assistant that he wants to run the race in Spanx. Um, and all he asks of, of Sarah is a, uh, is a small donation or a, or a, and he'll give a testimonial to the comfort of the space
1: wait wait this was before they're dating
0: this is before they're dating they are they are loose friends from college and
1: so he was reconnecting after he was this
0: reconnecting and he reconnects wow. and they start dating and a married and, and i think a year maybe two years later they were married and then they started having kids and now they've uh each built a lot of a lot of businesses and a family and so great follows on instagram follow them
2: I was going to say, it's such a good um, lesson in patience because obviously Sarah Blakely is such an OG, but I think she's often left out of the female founder club that is like Ty Haney and Emily Weiss. And really, like, she's she's of a different
0: generation, really.
2: Yeah, but she's the one who paved the way. And like to see her have such success now kind of shows like you don't need to be the one with the most Instagram followers or whatever to, uh, you know, that's not directly correlated.
0: And frankly, I don't know what Bumble, like with Whitney Wolfhard, I don't know what Bumble IPO'd for. I'd imagine it was more than a billion dollars, but I, I respect the business that she built so much more than I do Bumble. And I feel like it's a more legitimate business, but maybe that's just my, my naivete having not really spent any time on dating apps.
2: Well, I think it is very classic to like compare to female entrepreneurs who have. Yeah, I was say,
1: I'd be careful where you step, Mr. But.
2: But what I'll say is that to see Sarah Blakely like be the originator and have other people like Skims come into the space and whatever, mm-hmm. and like still Spanx has such staying power and is almost like the category generic word is super super cool. Like yeah. you don't hear people say Shaper as much as you hear them say.
0: Like yeah, oh, to whatever. clarify, I'm only comparing because you're comparing. I guess you didn't say Whitney Wolfhard, but we were we were just talking about Bumble before we got on the podcast. Wait, totally we,
2: not we, calling you out. You're good. Um, <laughs>
0: Rent the runway, just IPO and two, two other uh, female co-CEOs. So that's cool.
2: Mm-hmm. What a time to be a woman. Um, a super time. cool. I'm curious where people will choose to travel and if they'll like close the office for two weeks for everyone to travel at the same time or insane. kind I mean, of stack PTO, but really cool. Wow. That's a tough act to
1: follow. I don't know if I can even follow that with what I'm bringing to the table. <laughs> then I'm just going to tell you about a nice little uh, snack food I've been enjoying lately. So, there's,
0: Bring it, though, because there's a good family business story behind There it is.
1: Too. There's another also really good uh, How I Built This Episode on this business, which is Siete Foods, which is a family-run business. Um, and particularly I love the tortilla chips, which is like a signature product from them. Um, my two favorite flavors so far are the lime flavor and the nacho flavor, and they are like all like grain ba- or grain free, rather the gluten dairy free. I don't know why tortilla chips would have dairy, but you know, for, for my friends that, that, uh, want to go that route, we're going to call it out. but. Just generally, they're incredibly flavorful chips, very light, very have a good crunch. And I can trick myself into feeling slightly healthier by eating these tortilla chips as a snack. And I I recommend them. They're really good. They have like an area to them. Yeah. I actually, so I'm just calling out one of the products in the product line. Like they have a bunch of, they have, they make cookies, they make, um, tortillas and then actually Kate and I over the weekend were in a store and we saw that they were now, uh, have some sauces. So yeah. I think they're, they're expanding.
0: They have dairy free queso, which is actually really good. Um, okay, see the dairy free. There you go. And I am a big fan of their tortillas.
1: Mm-hmm. Really, really good. Um, so yeah, I, you know, for, for our fellow Trader Joe's shoppers out there, I will say this is one product I have to go to get to a name brand grocery store to purchase. And I go out of my way to get the, the, these chips, Chobani oat milk, which I think is superior to any
2: oat milk Trader Joe's (laughs) offers and sometimes Faye Greek yogurt. I do have a bone to pick with Trader Joe's oat milk and Trader Joe's Greek yogurt, Greek yogurt. Is okay, but not my favorite. I the full fat one's like doable, and the Mm -hmm. oat milk. I'm so sorry, but I don't want gritty little pieces of oats at the bottom of my drink. It makes the last sip kind of disgusting. So probably more natural than the oatly or the Chobani that doesn't have that, but it's just not good for me.
1: Yeah, got to go out of my way. You know, like we grew up in our household, our mom would make a stop at Trader Joe's for the bulk of the grocery shopping. But then there was, there were still a few like namesake, you know, got to get the brand name items from the Ralph's or pavilions or whatever type of grocery store.
2: I've heard that Oreos are very hard to recreate. Like the proprietary recipe is really. Makes sense. Yeah. Like hard to replicate. Um, Those chips are super good. I
0: haven't said that though. The Trader Joe's cassava chips are actually really good. Mm -hmm. Which are are. on concierge chips.
1: I, yeah. I would just say, though, the, the thing is they don't have the fun flavors. That's true.
0: Yeah. I don't like, think the nacho one's particularly great from Siate, but the lime one is amazing.
1: Oh, I love the nacho because it reminds me of Doritos.
0: I don't think it has nearly as much flavor as Doritos, but obviously it's much it's more authentic. Healthier. And
1: yeah. And they, so I'm okay. I have the bag in front of me because obviously was snacking on these. So made with 100% avocado oil, grain free it's made with cassava flour coconut flour chia seed very very lovely ingredients and family run business hit us with that emily mariko asmr i heard the bag crinkle oh (laughs) emily mariko i know we talked about her last time she got a shout out from lizzo at outside lands so crazy yeah
0: what was the shout out
1: um I've only heard secondhand that she just shouted Emily Mariko out and then she had the crowd Lizzo had the crowd make a TikTok with her. Yeah. Um, It's the one like where you move your hand up and down. So she like takes a huge swig of tequila and then you do the, do the hand motion. She had the whole crowd do it. And it was like some record or something that she was trying to set.
0: That trend is so funny for the, for a little bit of context. It's this, as far as I know, like 50 to 60 year old, slightly overweight Canadian man who makes food <laughs> looks absolutely disgusting. <laughs> and then he starts dancing. I mean, do we have show notes? We don't have show notes. We could put the link somewhere. I don't know. Maybe we on on our, on our Instagram. Um shout out at Wolf at the Wolf Den Pod. Um, yeah. he'll put his hand out and just start jamming and dancing after after his food because his food just excites him that much. And right, right. people all over the internet. Are doing this stupid dance but the song is great so i don't it know is, what it song is.
2: that is i have to go on tiktok it's been a few days and i don't even know what you're talking about oh uh, you'll
0: see it in a second unfortunately yeah.
2: now <laughs> yeah. i'm like
1: chuggy for it's like you're the gen z is over tiktok like no, i'm still not. on tiktok i'm joking
2: <laughs> i don't go on tiktok that much but i do i do like it um all right so moving what i'm moving on to what I'm bringing to the table. I saw the French dispatch last weekend and I feel like it might be slept on if I don't bring it to the table. So I'm going to do everyone a service and encourage them to go see it. Um, I really like reading the New Yorker. I feel like there's something a bit romanticized, romantic about it and kind of just the true art of journalism. And I feel like this movie did a really clever interpretation of a publication similar to something like The New Yorker with different human interest pieces and stories kind of woven together, but not really about one singular thing. But when I was watching the movie, I felt like I was reading The New Yorker. Like There was a little short segment at first covering one story, and then there were three longer ones, and then a wrap-up, and they all focus on this made up town in France called Ennui and the cast is amazing I feel like any actor would jump at the chance to work with us work with Wes Anderson so you know Timothy Chalamet and Francis McDormand and Owen Wilson um, and a million other A-list people that I'm not listing but it was really really fun super amusing and just honestly impressive he writes in this very whimsical intelligent way I'm always always captivated
0: it, it would have been slept on by me. So I don't. I have not even heard a, a word about this movie, maybe because I haven't been to a movie in 18 plus months. But uh, thanks for the tip.
2: Anytime.
1: Yeah. But your description, I think, makes it sound a lot better than what I took away from watching the trailer. So maybe if anyone's like me who is a little put off by the trailer, we should all still take Kate's recommendation and go see it. I think... I love the look of it all, the look and the feel, and obviously the talent. I'm skeptical from the trailer, but I like your description enough that I want to see it.
2: It is odd. It's a Wes Anderson movie, but there are others of his movies that I don't love because I feel like the storyline isn't enough, enough to hold my attention for an hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is. But this one was kind of broken up into chapters in a way that was really nice. So while each one was quirky and weird... I could get into it for 30 minutes at a time Mm
0: -hmm. got it
2: oh I want to go to the
1: movie theater I have not been since the pandemic and it's killing me because I haven't seen the latest Marvel movie and there's about to be another one out and it's
0: it's Marvel or it's just no it's
1: no 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 it's on HBO Max it's not even
0: Disney
2: I think it depends where you are, but if you have to be vaccinated to go to the movie theater, in my opinion, oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. no different than sitting in a restaurant and you have a mask on and it's enjoyable. So you have my support.
1: Thank you. It was more so like everything I wanted to watch was on the streaming services until it wasn't, it was like, Oh, I didn't realize we are not releasing things to the streaming services any longer. Although H Warner is like for HBO max, but Disney, I guess made the decision they were going to do theatrical releases.
0: I wonder yeah. what movie tickets are at. Like, are they back at fifty percent of what they were in? Call it December twenty nineteen, or not? Or I guess October twenty nineteen would be a better comparison.
1: We should look up on Google, like how you show me, Matthew. Like you can look up the Google search the Google trends. Trend, term trends and see where where it's trending because it, that's the kind of thing you'd search, like movie tickets or like show times for whatever mm-hmm. movie.
2: Personally, I'm ready to go back. I'm a huge movie goer. I didn't realize how much I went until I couldn't go anymore. But when I'd come home for winter break from college, I'd consistently see like four or five movies over the course of a few weeks and there's good stuff coming out. So yeah. And it's about to be the
1: holidays. It's always fun to see movies over the holidays.
2: Totally. West Side Story. There's a new Pixar movie. Um, Which Pixar one? I think it's called Big Panda or Red Panda or something. Not uh, not the Buzz Lightyear one.
1: That's coming. That's obviously here. what I was thinking of, but I don't think it's coming out for a while.
2: Yeah, but just a little shout out to that. If you haven't gone and watched the trailer for Lightyear, you really should. I'm so fascinated, but I, I never thought about Same. Buzz Lightyear being a person, but basically, mm-hmm. basically Pixar is making the origin story of like Buzz Lightyear as an actual person that the action figure was later based on. So it's a mm-hmm. story about human astronauts. Um, it, to, it looks, Yeah. Not to take place really before, force, before Toy Story. It looks really good.
0: So, so just a live a live update on the search term movie theater. Um, yes. And I'm sure there's good a m- million others we could look up. It sort of peaked in December. I'm looking at the past five years. It peaked in December of 2017. Um, and then hit a relative low on April, between April 5th and 11th on 2020. And then now it's, everything's done on a one to hundred scale. So a hundred was that December, 2017. And it's currently sitting between like 30 and 40. So wow. definitely, definitely up from the low of March of t- March, April 2020, but not where you tend to see it at an average of call it 50. So yeah, that's almost- not recovery
2: at all. But mm-hmm. winter 2017, I guess the year before that was a big Oscar year, but um that was like the La La Land Moonlight debacle, that was a big the year for movies
0: and now i'm sharing my screen so that kate and lauren can see the same data i'm seeing yeah we're thank you professor
1: wolfen for the sharing your screen
2: with us
0: and i didn't um, ask can everybody say share my screen can everybody see my screen okay just gonna
2: just gonna okay. share my screen can everybody all right let's uh, dive in
0: one one other
2: this
0: okay <laughs> one other content thing just because i feel like this would have been something one of you brought to the table and now I'm I'm in episode four or five. Only murders in the building. During my last
1: time.
0: Oh, okay. Well, maybe that's why I started watching. Never mind. I bet
2: it is. It's okay. Really it's good. Okay. I'm also around that episode, which is weird because I've been watching for I think three years. But um it's <laughs> it's really good.
1: It is really good. No, Matthew, I'm i not trying to to make you feel any bad at all. I'm just saying neither of you brought it is that to that that the table, good. though,
0: right? Or one of you did
1: <laughs> well we did a potluck so we talked about a whole bunch of
2: things oh
0: fair 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 true all right you must hey. have
2: skipped that dish
0: i skipped that dish i i it didn't look like it was going to be a winner but you know i heard about it it stuck in my mind and now i'm, I'm loving the dish so only are you watching are you, you watching recommend. with Alyssa? yes
1: okay it's i think it's actually a very good couple shows so i just want to call it out
0: yeah it's uh <laughs> it's a very uh I don't know, like PG, happy-go-lucky version of like yeah. the types of shows that we actually really enjoy watching together, like Money Heist and Lupin and all these shows that are like kind of mystery-esque. Um, so it's a nice, it's the it's Emily in Paris version of, of Lupin. Is what <laughs> no,
1: I'm it. that that dilutes the quality
2: <laughs> way No, that
0: is what it is. <laughs> much.
2: No, it's really quality. It has really good actors in it. Yeah, I think Steve yeah, Martin would sure. be a little offended by that. Like you're comparing Steve sure. Martin to Lily Collins?
0: it's not the acting it's the like vibe it's a little like tutti fruity so magical
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's like my kind of show to a t it is so funny and it's so pretty to look at and great plot i
0: love it all right let's step away from content and into our our theme of the day
2: yeah so we put a lot on the table now we're ready for um our next topic. And we have just been noticing, as maybe you have too, where we kind of alluded to last episode, that there's this rise of the sober curious movement. Um, I believe that term was originally coined by an author that we should give credit to. So I'll I'll pull that up in a second. But I first heard that term in a marketing class last spring. Um, my professor used to work uh in in advertising for Miller Coors, and he is that the right beer company, Matthew? Are those two things together? Okay. And um, he was talking about how it's harder and harder to get millennials to buy beer because so many people now, either for health reasons or just lifestyle reasons are kind of exploring what it means to not drink or drink less or drink sometimes. And obviously, you know, dry January is not too far away. We are coming off of sober October, but Really, I think it's becoming a year round movement to just consume less alcohol or consume alcohol more intentionally. Um, one stat I found about that is, this is from USA Today, um, as of late February 2021, dollar sales of non-alcoholic beer were up 39% over last year, plus sales of non-alcoholic wine were up 34%. Um, we have a trend report coming from Matthew, but I'm not a non-alcoholic beer or wine drinker, but I do really like non-alcoholic alternatives that aren't supposed to be exact replacements, of anything. So like one of my favorites is Gia and those are really exciting me right now. So I think we are, uh, I'm looking at the graph that Matthew is sharing. Yeah, um, Matthew is sharing some charts. We, we better
1: step up our Instagram game and start publishing some little graphs for <laughs> people. No, anyway, so, Those,
0: so those so drinks
2: are exciting me. So, so I'm excited to share that.
0: So, as Kate mentioned, these things usually spike. There's the dry January. And so, as I'm looking at the five year reports, it's, it's confirming all the, the gut senses that we had, right? So, non alcoholic drink spikes for the f- past five years in January of 2021. And then, non alcoholic beer spikes this summer on the past five years in June of 2021. So, um, definitely a trend of people trying things out. And I think to me, a lot of that has to do with the quality of non-alcoholic options. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you the always proliferation, The proliferation, 100%, but also like ready to go in a can or a bottle or whatever it might be, because you always had, you know, the mocktails at a, at a bar <laughs> or restaurant and, or maybe a fancier restaurant. And some of the restaurants would do it well. And you're starting to see that over the last few years. But now you have beer companies like Athletic Brewing, um, which I feel like I may have mentioned at one point, um, on the podcast, but athletic brewing makes beers in every style. And it's not just, you know, that same lager, but with zero alcohol, it's not O'Doul's. Um, it's truly delicious beer. It just happens to be non-alcoholic. And so you have that. And then you also have, um, people taking like notes from alcohol that are never meant to be tasting exactly like alcoholic drinks, like Kate said, but other versions that that have their ties to the beer world, like, That are flavored with hops. So you have a hop flavored soda with zero calories that tastes a little citrusy from Lagunitas and you have full brands coming out that way. And then you have brands that are making really, really high-end sparkling waters that are sort of competing with um, alcoholic drinks. So the Olipops of the world um, and even a brand that's known for their THC beverages that's now making Um, sparkling beverages that just don't have THC. So they're the exact same, except they don't have any weed in them. Um, So there's the the brand of note there is CAN, C-A-N-N. So just a lot of sober curiosity. Mm
1: -hmm. So that term sober curious is the book that is published by or written by Ruby Warrington. It was only published in December, 2018, like very end of the year. And it says she club. Club Soda founder and face of the sober curious movement, Ruby Warrington offers an eye-opening new way to think about our relationship with alcohol and talking about all of the benefits of it. And it, it is really like coming to mind more and more. I think as like for for me at least, it's just a proliferation of all of these brands and and like you were saying, Matthew, like easy access to all of them. I don't know. There is something like mocktails didn't really used to be a thing. It, it was like when you were a kid, the options were, oh, you could have a Shirley Temple. And of course that's exciting as a kid, but like, what's the adult equivalent of that if you're not trying to have drink? Mm-hmm.
2: And I really like that the branding seems super strong across the board here because I think it has to be in order to compete. You know, like I don't think that Smirnoff storytelling is particularly compelling, but like people are going to drink it because it's Smirnoff and they know the name. When you have these products that are really meant to drive discovery and curiosity, like the packaging has to be excellent and the product has to be great too, but people have to pick it up off the shelves for a reason. And so I think one of the best things to come of all this is just to see like how beautiful um, these designs are getting. Gia is awesome. I know I mentioned Kin, which is kind of more of a functional beverage. Don't ask me what nootropics do, but I swear you feel happier (laughs) when you drink it Matthew disagrees um but yeah just super fun to to try all these different things and if you you know feel so inclined I think it's fun to order a few different ones or even order some of the ready to drink options like the spritz from Gia um, and do a little taste test
1: yeah I would say Gia's been my favorite so far that's spelled G-H-I-A um they Started off with an operative, like you could mix a cocktail with it and or sorry, mocktail with like some club soda. I guess if you wanted to make it alcoholic, you could, but now they're they've come out with like a couple little canned beverages of an original flavor and then one that's uh like more ginger flavor that is taking off. But yeah, it's it's just it's very intentional, it's very beautiful. And I think the idea is you can still enjoy something. It's not necessarily even indulgent. It's just like, there's there's no reason you have to have a drink if you're out at a bar one night type of thing, which I I am seeing Gia pop up on more and more menus at restaurants, which I love as well, that they're mm-hmm. opening up that distribution and introducing people to the brand when they're at like a favorite restaurant that they already know and love.
2: Totally. I'm kind of judging restaurants now based on the non-alcoholic offerings at a restaurant. I agree. I think if they have intriguing mixed drinks that are non-alcoholic, I respect the restaurant a lot more. I'm inclined to order one because it's fun, and I kind of there's such a craft to that and making it not too sweet, but like something you couldn't just replicate easily at home. And I also think, Lauren, to your point of trying one of these alternatives like Gia received it at a restaurant. It's so smart because it's almost the Oatly at Starbucks model where you don't have to mm-hmm. buy the whole bottle or only case the whole carton in order to try it and a lot of these brands are kind of hard to find in stores anyway so when you order online that's another level of commitment um i i really like the like experimental aspect on restaurant menus. yeah very, also and it's very
1: artisanal
2: mm-hmm also want to or shout out it. that I, by no means, am a subject matter expert, nor are Lauren and Matthew were just interested in this, but Melanie Masterin, the founder of Gia, was on OKSys, which obviously we love. And I thought that was one of the best episodes I'd listened to. She's so intelligent and sharp and just like has a really cool vision for where this is all going. So would highly recommend giving that a listen if what we say intrigues you.
0: I think you may have broken up when you were mentioning the name of the podcast. You wanted to say that one more time for, for our listeners.
2: Okay. Sis.
0: Awesome. (laughs) Um, The one thing that I think is super interesting is like brands in the, in the beverage space sort of tend to grow in the off premise or the on premise first. Um, So at bars and restaurants would be on premise, buying it in a store would be off premise to drink somewhere where you do not buy it. So white claw hard seltzer space very much started in the off premise people were bringing it to house parties etc now we're starting to see guia and and other drinks i'm sure as well yeah starting in the high end on premise and the off premise to me who's gonna win the mass on premise because i think that is such a huge opportunity mm-hmm. and if these trends are really as strong as we think they are then People are going to want non alcoholic options when they're out at a bar as well because they want to participate in the culture that is going to a bar. So, right, that's not to say that there's ever going to be an athletic brewing or a guia can available at you know the bar. I kind of think of bars of like the bar where you ask for a, a drink that has two ingredients versus <laughs> like the bar that you ask for a drink that where you have like a real drink. Um, and so if one of these non alcoholic options makes it to the bars that are serving light beers and two ingredient cocktails then you know that like this thing is really really for real um which yeah. i i haven't been to a lot of those bars recently but i don't think that's happening just yet
1: not yet cuz right i was going to say right now I think of a lot of these brands as like head nod brands. Like Kate taught me what this term of art is. Like if you see someone else at the airport with your away suitcase with an away suitcase, and you're holding your away suitcase, you you're like, Oh, we're part of the club. There is something still, I think about discovering a brand like Gia and it feels very personal. I keep referencing Gia since it's the one that I have tried and and like very well. And It is, it's like, oh, oh, you're cool. Like we're, we're part of this group that knows about something that maybe other people don't. So thanks for joining our club to all of our listeners.
2: Yeah. I, I think that's super interesting what you say, Matthew, about, you know, making it to the tequila soda with lime bar where you're ordering a drink in a plastic cup. I feel like in that environment, I don't know. Do you want a, a non-alcoholic drinker? Like I sometimes had a club soda with wine, like I don't care, but also just going to say you have to be the type of person who's going to dance, whether you've had a drink or not. And <laughs> I encourage you to all be those people. Um, it's way more fun, but I don't know that I'm just having a hard time picturing the brand that's willing to like be in such a hole in the wall type of place and that people, Patronizing that business would be like, Yeah, this is the time I want to have that. Like, I wouldn't even want to drink. There's a company called Amass that makes non alcoholic botanical spirits, kind of gin ish. Um, I don't think I would want to drink that. I want to drink it in like a dimly lit bar with a cool wallpaper and like have yeah. kind of that different experience out of it. But it, it, yeah, totally could exist. I just can't envision it yet.
0: I like, guess to me, bar, I guess to me, it's not real, it's not really real until it's in the in the two ingredient cocktail light beer bar
2: well in terms of distribution I, but it's a different
1: it's a different goal I think it's a completely different audience or niche like I know but what you're what saying I'm, I'm not saying real. The,
0: I'm saying the non-alcoholic trend is not is not really oh, the real
1: trend, not the particular brand
0: no no the, the okay. brands I understand target markets hundred percent they shouldn't yeah. be there and and maybe the brand that is believes in non-alcoholic as a concept hasn't been created you know Mm -hmm. the brand that fits in that bar hasn't been created and so perhaps an opportunity i don't know but
1: free ideas
0: i think i think that if non-alcoholic beverages are as big as we think they potentially could be eventually there will be a a a a drink that makes it to those types of bars because people will be asking for exciting non-alcoholic options in all of their occasions
2: I think I I, for that. right, I think for right now, that's where like the Heineken 0. 0.0 comes into play. Like that's the only non-alcoholic thing I've ever seen advertised during the Super Bowl. You know, <laughs> um, for
0: sure. I just and, and <laughs> Heineken is really, really trying, and 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 I still see a lot of Anheuser Busch stuff just from friends who work at AB still via Instagram. And so Stella's doing one, and it, everybody's trying. But to me, it's that's not the answer. It's a brand that is made for fun times, not a zero zero version of something else um Mm -hmm. so if it's for real an athletic brewing might be it to be honest with you um Mm -hmm. i don't think they have any concerns about being mass um as long as they can keep the quality what it needs to be um and frankly that tastes as good as craft beer so maybe that's like the craft beer version but i I still think there's a mass version um Mm -hmm. Welcome to how I analyze markets in beverage. It's a little easier for me, but this is this is what this is what's fun for for us. so yeah um, thanks for listening <laughs>
2: another well another brand we haven't talked about yet which is kind of more of the Olipop pop school but maybe a grown-up version is um this company betty buzz that blake lively recently launched that really caught my attention it's basically mixers high-end mixers kind of like a fever tree vibe is what i get but um there's a ginger one there's a grapefruit one and the, the storytelling of it is i guess that blake blake lively doesn't drink but she's married to founder of a gin company and these mixers can be enjoyed with alcohol or without, and you know, doesn't matter. You can make your own non alcoholic cocktail with them, but kind of that universal appeal. And I'm pretty serious, I'm curious to see where that's going to go. Um, I think distribution for mixers is huge. Like, who's ordering grapefruit soda online? I'm so sorry, not me. And I would order pretty much anything online, um, but that's really the type of thing you want to be able to go to the store and pick up. So, I haven't yeah. seen it on shelves yet, but wondering if that's next for them.
1: Interesting. All right. Well,
2: I have that one. See what happens next. You heard it. You, you heard it here first. I like to be an educational resource for the people. So glad that yeah. I didn't disappoint. Um,
1: if yeah, you need some recs. Yeah, you want to know where to start in this world? I think I think we've laid it out, but you you can always hit us up if you're local to LA. I have many
2: cans of geasprints just gm me if you want once (laughs) they're super good i'm also curious where olipop will go because right now to me it's such a soda replacement but will the next generation not even drink soda i think that's far-fetched but i don't know that's
1: that's not a thing soda will always be around
0: i had i had and a, a social occasion anecdotally that made me a huge believer in olipop um two guys that I just don't think would have picked it up two years ago are, are we're drinking it. And like, I think one of them was doing sober October, but then the other one, just like this tastes really good. It's 35 calories. It's good ingredients. And I'm not drinking soda anymore. So two very different occasions. Um, so I'm a huge believer in Bob.
1: Well, shout out to break Maiden, the branding agency. They got branding a little jingle that uh <laughs> created the branding
2: for Olipop and for Camber. There That's we go. Also a huge thing for me. Um not sure if I'm cutting out because my little Zoom square isn't isn't lighting up. Um, that's a huge thing for me is I really like showing up to the party with something that's kind of a conversation starter. I was honestly thinking about this when you were talking about Siete Chips lore, but like I want to walk in with something and this is a me thing. Totally get this isn't for everyone, but I want to walk in with something that people ask me about and want to know more about. And I get to kind of share that with them. I mean, obviously it's like what I enjoy about this podcast as well. But um, I remember going to a party spring of my freshman. Sorry, it's very my senior year um, was of drinking age, just didn't really want to. So I brought my little can um, aperitif can and I left it on the counter and I was across the apartment somewhere else at the party. And this girl picked it up and she was like, Kate, is this yours? And I was so flattered that my brand association was so strong that like, yes, that beautiful tie dye can is mine. Um, and so I think like finding these products that really excite you and you're excited to bring and share with your friends is kind of the name of the game. Yep, that head nod. It's like, yeah, it's cool. You know what's out? Totally. totally. Well, with that, we hope you love this podcast and want to share this podcast with your friends and family. We're all about family here, obviously. So send it to someone you love if you think that they would love it. And we will see you next time. See
0: yeah, everyone. Yeah.